Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly burl is done. When the battle's lost and won. That will be ere the set of sun. Where's the place? Upon the heath, there to meet with Macbeth. I come, Grey Malkin. Had a call. Anon. Fair is foul, and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. Welcome to the first of the tutorials, which will take you through the play itself and provide analysis as we go through it. Macbeth opens with this famous scene on the heath. The conversation between the three chanting weird sisters. It's only short, so we can afford to look at it in lots of detail. And we'll focus our attention on how Shakespeare presents the witches as evil and horrifying right from the start. The first thing we notice is the use of pathetic fallacy. This means the use of the weather to create atmosphere. Shakespeare often begins his plays with pathetic fallacy to set the tone of the next scenes. The Tempest, for instance, opens with a storm and a shipwreck to create an opening of confusion and drama. Hamlet begins on a cold, mysterious night, readying the stage for distrust and supernatural happenings. You heard the thunder and lightning in the performance of the opening of Macbeth. This conversation between the three weird sisters takes place in a storm. Symbolically, we're to understand a few things. Firstly, this is a bad omen. There are dark forces at work. Secondly, the storm is a symbol of chaos and upheaval. There is about to be significant disruption in Scotland and a change for the worse. Thirdly, violence. The second witch refers to a battle going on at this very moment. But we're also to understand that this storm foreshadows further violence. So, the symbolism is important. And it's clear that the pathetic fallacy is integral to this short scene. Whilst it's easy to recreate this storm in cinema now, in Shakespeare's theatre it would have been much more challenging. Of course they did not have access to the amazing special effects modern theatres have created, but more than this, plays would have been performed in daylight, in the open air. So even creating atmospheric darkness would have been impossible. How did Shakespeare expect this storm to be performed? According to the Globe Theatre's brilliant education resources, the Sound of Thunder would be recreated by rolling cannonballs backstage, and lightning could be replicated by throwing a specially made powder, made from resin, into a candle flame to make a flash. They could even create lightning bolts by using firecrackers. Mostly, though, Shakespeare relies on language to create his atmosphere. The witches refer to thunder, lightning and rain, so the audience understands the importance of the storm. It's reinforced through words, so that it becomes part of their imagination of the whole scene. In their final chant, the witches also refer to fog and filthy air. Again, we don't know if this would have been created literally in the theatre through smoke, or whether this is just a linguistic device to help us imagine the heath in Scotland. Either way, the fog is a symbol of dark magic and obscurity. We could relate the fog in this first scene to Macbeth's failure to see clearly later on in the play. 
And of course, the filthy air has connotations of evil too. Filth and dirt are symbolic of corruption and wickedness. The weather and the lonely setting are designed to help the audience understand that the characters they are seeing are evil, and that they are foreshadowing disruption and doom. Even listening to them, we can hear the representation of a spell or an incantation, particularly in the rhyming couplet of the last two lines, which we'll come back to in a moment. The rhythm is relentless, and all three characters maintain the chant, demonstrating that they are one unified force, a fact emphasised by the choral speaking of the final couplet. How else does Shakespeare portray these supernatural forces as horrifying? We've already spoken briefly in podcast two about the significance of religion and the Jacobean understanding of hell and damnation. According again to the Globe Theatre, Shakespeare capitalised on this in his staging. Whilst good spirits and angels would appear on stage from above being lowered down on ropes, Shakespeare's evil spirits, witches and demons would all arrive on stage via the trap door from the cellarage. Presumably the three weird sisters would enter and exit the stage through this trap door to represent their hellish origins. Shakespeare never describes his characters in the way that modern playwrights often do. But interestingly, the physical appearance of the Weird Sisters is described by Banquo in Act 1, Scene 3. And this also pertains to their evil nature. Banquo describes them as withered and wild and says that they look not like the inhabitants of the earth. They are not to look human. Then Banquo even asks them, Live you? They are to be haggard and ugly, as Banquo describes them as having chappy fingers and skinny lips. His last moment of description addresses them directly. You should be women, and yet your beards forbid me to interpret that you are so. I've heard that line played for comedy value in some productions, but I think you could argue that it is meant to be taken more seriously. Not only do the witches look inhuman, but they defy categorization through gender too. This would have been disturbing for a Jacobean audience. Yes, and there are a couple of other moments that I think need some contextual information before we can understand fully their significance. Before their exit, the first witch calls to Grey Malkin and the second to Paddock. These are clearly supposed to be their familiars. There were supposedly a few telltale signs in the early modern era that someone was a witch like having a mark somewhere on your body where you had apparently sealed your pact with the devil by having him cut or brand you. Having a familiar was another telltale sign. This was an evil spirit or demon that took the form of an ordinary animal, perhaps a cat or a toad, but served a witch as her companion or domestic servant. Clearly then, these witches would have been frightening for Shakespeare's first audiences. But this scene is not just about creating atmosphere. It also introduces some of the crucial themes of the play and its protagonist. Yes, the very first time we hear Macbeth's name, it is in the mouth of a witch planning to meet with him. He is immediately associated with the forces of evil. The witches also introduce the theme of appearance and reality. That is, the blurring of boundaries between good 
and evil. The witches know, supernaturally, when the battle will be over. They are frightening not just because they look terrifying and because they are casting spells, but also because they have knowledge beyond human understanding, which makes them powerful. The second witch describes the battle being lost and won, reminding the audience that in order for one side to win a battle, the other must lose. Victory and defeat happen simultaneously. We see this later in the play, when Macbeth murders Duncan in Act 2, Scene 2. He also says that he murders sleep, and shall therefore sleep no more. In killing Duncan, he has killed a part of himself. He has both won and lost. The line, fair is foul and foul is fair, takes this theme further. Fair has a double meaning, referring to both justice and beauty. Foul, too, could refer to both injustice and something disgusting. The witches chanting this line reinforce the idea that appearance and reality are not always the same, and that deception is rife. Lady Macbeth later takes up this theme when she persuades Macbeth to commit regicide. She urges him, Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. There is a difference between how she wants him to look and who she wants him to be. Significantly, Macbeth's first line in the play echoes the witch's exit. He says, So fair and foul a day I have not seen. Again, he is immediately associated with these supernatural evil beings, even before he's met them. In fact, fair is foul and foul is fair is the central theme of the play. The witches' prophecies that they will give to Macbeth in Act 1, Scene 3 will appear fair, but will lead Macbeth to committing foul deeds. This scene then introduces the supernatural, sets up the atmosphere of foreboding and evil, and associates Macbeth with ideas of deception and falsehood. In our next episode, we'll explore Act 1, Scene 2, the alternative foreshadowing of the character of Macbeth. But before then, pay particular attention to the use of pathetic fallacy in the films and programmes you watch and the books you read. How are the writers using weather to influence your interpretation of atmosphere? That's all for this pod. See you next time. hope you enjoyed the episode don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge hit the acast plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need we also make gcse and a-level content for history re sociology and psychology happy listening everyone